Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. A journey in the month of June, and we have been spending Fridays in June with James in our New Testaments. Roger, we're on part three, part one, first Friday in June. We were in James chapter one, and we really talked about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what that looks like, uh, the help that is available to the disciple of Jesus Christ. Last Friday, we were in James chapter two. We talked about faith in action after one and two, Roger, we come to chapter three. Chapter three. And as we have said in our very first lesson, a lot of uh, what we read in James chapter one is then just kind of stretched and expounded upon throughout this book. So earlier in James chapter one, he said, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so here in the third chapter, the bulk of the chapter is about our speech or or the tongue. And so the first 12 verses take us down through that as he discusses uh, the proper and improper use of the tongue. The chapter then wraps up by talking about the wisdom from above. And I believe there is a bridge between those two. That, That kind of wisdom will lead us having a right type of speech, a right type of tongue here. And so what James is really driving at here as as we look at this first section here is how sometimes we use our tongue to honor God, but then we turn around and we just complain or curse man. And that same tongue is used inconsistently. And James is really bringing out several, several passages here, several thoughts here that really helps us understand the power in the tongue. You know, sometimes we heard our mother say, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never harm us. Well, the words do harm us. And sometimes long after those broken bones are healed, we remember those words. And I've run into people who decades and decades later, they can still remember something cruel that someone said to them and has stayed with them. And so, so our tongues are powerful. And that's what James wants us to see. The proper use will bring life. The improper use can cause all kinds of destruction. You know, it's interesting. Of course, we have a big number three at the start of what we call James chapter three. We understand as James originally wrote it and as original disciples of Jesus would have had it read or uh, they would read it themselves. There wasn't this chapter break, but really that idea of the use of the tongue continues on in James chapter three, verse one. Roger, I don't know about you, but of all the verses, all the sections of this powerful letter, this is the one that gets my attention really quickly, a very humbling place to start. Well, it is. And, you know, ju- just two passages we'll pull out here real fast just to show this. He says in verse two, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bride the whole body as well. That's hard to do. And then he says down verse eight, no man can tame the tongue. And, and it's like, 
Wow, that's strong language, and that's that's some things that we're going to bring out. And so uh, let's let's just highlight this first section here about the tongue and just run through these illustrations. In verse 3, he's going to use an illustration to a bridle in a horse's mouth, and then he's going to talk about a rudder on a ship in verse 4. Then he's going to talk about how a little fire can create a great forest fire in verse 5. Then in verse 11, he's going to talk about a fountain. A fountain doesn't bring forth two different kinds of water. Then he's going to talk about uh, the fig tree in verse 12. And and a fig tree does not produce olives. Uh, it, pr- it produces figs. Then he wraps this up in verse 12 by talking about the illustration of salt water. Salt water does not produce fresh water. And so he, he just gives us numerous examples of of uh, illustrations from nature and from life to help us understand that we need to have a control of our tongue because if we don't, we're going to get in trouble. Yeah, you, you've drawn connections already in the first two episodes of this uh, little series. Back to the Sermon on the Mount and these sorts of illustrations sound a lot like the way that Jesus would teach, right? Everyday figures, pictures that people could see and easily understand. I mean, you think about how long before the days of indoor plumbing, the idea of a a fountain, what that would mean to people, and especially a fresh water, a clean fountain, uh, how valuable that would be. Or before the days of just being able to drive down to the grocery store and pick up whatever fruit you want to get, knowing where specific trees or vineyards, gardens were so that you could go get the particular fruit that you were looking for. All of this revolves around, of course, simple ideas to help us understand this little muscle in our mouths. And I, I pointed to it just briefly earlier, but James chapter three, verse one highlights this specifically for those who would teach, right? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Roger, I know you've thought about that verse before, having taught how many Bible classes and sermons. What do you think the Holy Spirit through James is warning about there? Well, first of all, he's not saying, I don't want teachers, because other places in the Bible tells us that we need to be teachers, and we we ought to teach. But what, what he's reminding us of is you're responsible for what you teach. And to be careless, to be irresponsible, to be flippant, uh, you can lead somebody to believe in things that's just not true. And so the stricter judgment uh, that he talks about in this comes about not only because you have said it, but others are going to be listening to you. And so so the, it comes with a serious responsibility. Uh, anyone that's going to be preaching God's word, teaching God's word, they must look at that passage and understand that I need to do my homework, and I need to think seriously about this, and I need to have a heart that understands that, that there comes a judgment with this because I am needs to be responsible for what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I need to do my homework. I need to be responsible. And then 
I would add a third thing. I need to live what I've actually taught, right? How devastating it is when we find out maybe weeks, months, years, decades later that we've looked up to someone who helped us understand a great deal. It's not that what they taught was wrong or out of harmony with what we read in the Bible, but a lot of times what we find so devastating is when somebody taught the truth but wasn't walking in the light of the truth. They were out of step with what they themselves were teaching. That that can have a devastating effect on people who have looked up to that man or woman, whether it's a preacher or a Bible class teacher, whomever it is, even that goes back to being careful with the tongue. Really, even that example shows us we're not just talking about this muscle in our mouths, but the mind or the heart behind the muscle. Absolutely. You know, we've heard through the years somebody saying, well, that was a slip of the tongue. Well, the tongue doesn't slip, okay? (laughs) You you never accidentally compliment somebody and say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Um, No, no, the the slip of the tongue is usually always negative. It's always something we shouldn't say. And And we sometimes just try to justify it by saying, well, it was a slip of the tongue. The tongue only says what the mind and the heart pushes it to say, and, and that's, that's the problem there. Now, I think in this first section, verse 9 and 10, is really the heart of what James is trying to drive at. As he's talking about the tongue, he says, With it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. So what James is is recognizing is there's an inconsistency. The God in heaven we will honor, but the man on earth we will curse and, and, and say things we shouldn't say. This will flow real quickly into the, the last section here about the wisdom from above because he'll say there bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. He'll, he'll bring that up a couple times. And that bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is best illustrated by what we say and what we say to each other. And so when we're jealous of each other, we say things we shouldn't say. When we have pride or selfish ambition, we say things we shouldn't say. So in this first section here, James is really reminding the brethren that you need to control your tongue. It's better to listen than to speak. It's better to think things out before you say them. And once the words leave your lips, sometimes it's hard to bring them back. And I think James has really shown us the danger of such things. Yeah, what I am so consistently impressed with from New Testament writers, and of course, what I'm really saying there is impressed with the Holy Spirit who who inspires these New Testament writers is he does not simply say, listen, you need to figure out how to control your mouth. He does not simply say, be careful what you say. Make sure you don't stick your foot in your mouth. You, you need to really figure out how to bridle that tongue. What he does, you, you just highlighted it there at the end of James chapter three is take us all the way upstream. I, I cannot think of a time in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit leads some writer to say, your behavior as a disciple of Jesus, needs to be 
different without taking us to the ultimate source, right? That seems to be over and over again, the pattern. And so if we use this from the standpoint of, okay, the stream of words that comes out of my mouth, uh, the mightiest rivers and streams on earth, if you keep going upstream, 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 eventually you get to the to the ultimate source, right? And maybe it's just a little trickle and it it is barely going downhill, but the big Ohio River right next door to us that we drive across and it is really wide in places has all of these sources. Well, that's the sources is what he's taking us to at the end of James chapter three. And he only provides one of two alternatives. It's either verse 15, earthly, unspiritual and demonic Think about that. Why do people talk the way they talk? Why why do some that we go to school with and work with have such foul mouths? Why do they say such hurtful things? Why why do they say such ugly things that just tear people down left and right? Well, here's the source. They are leaning on, they are immersed in what is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The other source is, Roger, you highlighted it, the wisdom that comes down from above. And just listen to this description in verse 17. It's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Roger, as you look at those two different sources, what stands out to you? Well, it, it really shows us the wisdom from above is is characteristics of God. That's yeah. the way God is. God is peaceable. God is gentle. God is reasonable. God is full of mercy. And so when, when we drink from that well, that's what's going to come out of our mouth. Now, a person can't drink from the worldly wisdom and expect these things to come out. They're yeah. not going to come out. And so if, if all I do is, is get influenced by TV, by people of the world, by people that are not set on heaven, uh, what's going to come out of my mouth is not going to be pure and peaceable and gentle and reasonable. It's going to be foul and it's going to be bitter because that's the way the world is. So, so what James is driving at here is this is a choice. Uh, it's, it's not like, well, some waters are sweet, some waters are, are salty. Some waters are this way, some waters are that way. No, here it's a choice. And so if we fill ourselves with that wisdom from above, and that's God's word, we, we just follow God. Notice how Jesus talked to people. Notice that when Jesus was challenged and accused, notice what he said back. We remember at, at his trial before Pilate, he was silent. He just didn't answer. There's times when that's the best choice to do. Somebody's getting real ugly with you. Sometimes it's just don't say anything. We learn from that. That's wisdom from above. Now, the wisdom from the world, that's going to cripple us. And that's going to find out that we're we're not where we should be with God. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to circle back around to something you said j- just a moment ago. You know, we have, if my math is correct, I think it's 168 hours a week. 168 hours a week. If we subtract some time to sleep, let's settle on 110 waking hours. 
every week, 110 hours a week that I'm awake. And if I spend two hours, three hours in a church building, but I fill the other 107 hours with all that is earthly and unspiritual and demonic, those three hours in a church building are not going to change the way that I talk. Absolutely. And, and so so it's more than just going to church once in a while, as, yeah. as we use that phrase. It's it's filling your heart with that wisdom from above, and that that's going to make all the difference. You know, we, we put out here at Charlestown Road a, a quick quote every day, and we had one just recently that said, if you hang out with millionaires, you'll be a millionaire. You hang out with addicts, you'll be an addict. Somebody also sent a reply to me and said, yes, if you hang out with the spiritual, you'll be spiritual. Yeah. That's the concept we're talking about here. And so what, what comes out is based upon what comes in. That's, that's what the, this, this passage is all about. And so if I have poured in the, the righteousness of God, I've poured in the wisdom from above, then that's what's going to come out. If I've allowed the world to come into myself, then that's what's going to come out. And so uh, great lesson here about the idea of our tongue. And again, so many people can can be benefited by our tongue. So many people can be hurt by our tongue. There, there are so many other passages such as uh, encouragement. That's, that's the proper use of our tongue. Or if we condemn somebody, that's something that also comes from our tongue. Uh, Book of Proverbs would say life and death are in the power of the tongue. And that's, that's really what James is building us upon. Yeah, I'm, the very last verse, he talks about a harvest of righteousness is sown. I, that's an interesting phrase to me because when we think of sowing, well, in our part of the world, that, that's already happened. For this year, right? That happened months ago where seed was sown and it's not harvest time yet. Even those who have little gardens in their backyard, it's, it's not harvest time yet. Harvest time is still going to come, but there's a long time between sowing and reaping. Physically, right here in the state of Indiana, long time between sowing soybeans or corn and reaping the fruit of that work. And, and yet that is the figure that James uses to talk about our, our tongues. And as I was thinking about that, as you were reading, Roger, I, I thought about how often I know it happens with you. It happens with me. I'll, I'll say something on Sunday in a sermon or a Bible class. And, you know, by Sunday night, we're both tired. We go home where, you know, <laughs> you're already thinking about the next Sunday and, and what's going to come. And it might not be till Wednesday or Thursday, Friday. It, it might be weeks later, but somebody will circle back around and say, you know, what you preached on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago, and if you're like me, you have trouble remembering even what it was from a couple of weeks ago, but it has stuck with that person and that living and active word of God, that seed has been working and working and working. And what you're seeing is, okay, that was sown weeks, months, maybe years ago, but exactly what James is describing here, a harvest of righteousness 
comes when we allow God to transform our hearts, transform our mouths, use our tongues in ways that honor him. There is so much good that can be done. And and the opposite of this is true also. If it's not the seed of righteousness, it's the seed of corruption or yeah. wickedness. Yeah. And that, too, takes a while to kind of spring forth. But when it does, what destruction it brings, what, what turmoil it brings. And, you know, it, it can devastate somebody for decades. You know, I remember somebody saying this to me, and they will say, and they can never get over that. And so, so the, again, what James is driving at here, and this is not a lesson for preachers or teachers. This is a lesson for all disciples. Because in all of us, God has given us a tongue, and God wants us to use it properly. And when it's used properly, it can make lifelong changes in people's lives. Just a little encouragement can make all the difference in the world that somebody is kind of down in the dumps or they're struggling with something. You give somebody a Bible verse, that that's exactly what I've been looking for. And what help and what good comes from such things. Spending June with James. We appreciate you spending this month with us. Of course, we've been in James chapter 3. Maybe you were listening as you were driving to work or mowing the lawn. You'd be well served at some point today to go back and just read James chapter 3. It's only 18 verses, but timeless wisdom and practical help uh, is has been there all along. Uh, Lord willing, next Friday, we'll be in James chapter 4. We'd encourage you to read that even before you hit play on the next episode. But Roger, I appreciate you joining me today. We thank all of you so much for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our simple discussion has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come.